It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 12th of March. The Jazz lose their third of their last four. They're fourth straight to the Thunder and are no longer in the top six in the West. How concerned should we be? And how much did we miss Ricky Rubio last night? The turnover question comes back. It's all on Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look at everything involving the Utah Jazz that you can't get anywhere else. We bring it to you every single day, 30 minutes or so, sometimes a little more, supposed to be a little less. So you can easily digest it on your drive to work or your drive home. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And you can also tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. It's brought to you by Slow the Flow. And it's brought to you by Homie. Hope you're doing great. Uh, Disappointing loss last night. Only in the sense that, you know, I mean, I think we might have to concede that the Thunder are better than we are. I mean, I think, like, that might be a hard one. And particularly, you know, we've... I don't want to make excuses because they've beat us four straight. They're better than us, right? Like, there's nothing else to be said. But we've got them on back-to-backs twice, I think, and then without Rubio this time. But they got us in the double overtime game. They got us in all four. They've beat us in, uh, you know, what is it, like 14 of the last 16 regular season games. We have beat them in four of the last six playoff games. It's worth noting. Uh, But uh, they got us last night. Uh, We'll look at that ball game and do our regular little playoff picture um, look at things as well today on the program. And some interesting notes uh, on this one in regards to Ricky Rubio and Donovan and kind of where Donovan is as a point guard. And let me just, before we dig into it, I think kind of feel like the, I feel like this is where we're going to head the next two days. Um, before we really dig into that, let me just make sure we're, we're perf- I'm perfectly clear. Donovan is awesome. Um, Donovan is doing amazing things and is absolutely fabulous. And uh, we should be so incredibly fired up to have Donovan. Donovan is also a work in progress. Um, and I think that's something that we probably have to remember a little bit, is that Donovan is still a work in progress. He's a second-year player. He uh, was not a go-to guy. Uh, predominantly at Louisville until the final seven or eight games of the year. I don't think it was, you know, I think he was destined to be in, in with his wiggle and his ability to get to the rim to be a uh, tremendous scorer. He is doing things in an accelerated game, that's worth noting, that guys have never done before. Uh, but the burden that's being asked upon him to try to carry this team without a second scorer, without much help is more than probably any second year player can handle perfectly. And that's, I thought was really clear last night. Um, the offense just couldn't get going last night. It was our 59th offensive performance of the year. The defense was great. The defensive rating last year was a 97.1. You should win almost every single time. In fact, it's hard to find <clears throat> the last time the Jazz had a defensive rating 
under 100 and didn't win was against the Thunder on December 22nd. The one-point loss, they had them at 99.4. The defensive, the offensive rating was 102. The prior to that was against the Rockets on December 17th when the defense was unbelievable. We lost by five. And prior to that was Mexico City when it was just kind of a joke of a basketball game. Um, otherwise, uh, and a Laker game on, on November 23rd. So there have been three or four games all year where we've had a defensive rating under 100 and lost. The defense was great last night. Super planned. Get it out of Paul George's hands who's struggling. And the offense just couldn't get going. We'll look at the playoff picture here in a second. But it's worth noting that if you look at the three previous games to last night, when Ricky Rubio ran a pick and roll, 126 pick and rolls against the Thunder in the previous games to last night. When Ricky ran a pick and roll, the average points per pick and roll with Ricky was 1.25 points per pick and roll. 1.25. For all the complaining about the turnovers, for everything, 1.25 points per pick and roll. That, I mean, that's an unbelievably high number. Half-court possessions are about .96. In, prior to last night, in the 67 pick and rolls that Donovan Mitchell had run against the Thunder, our points were .55. 1.25 versus .55. And Joe Ingles in 43 pick and rolls was a .825. Okay, for the season, Ricky's at one point, Joe's at about .95, and Donovan's at .90. Donovan's getting much better, to his credit. We're seeing legitimate growth in Donovan. That's why I kind of feel like this is going to be much of the talk, because I'm going to dig into that some of that tomorrow. Last night, in 60 pick and rolls, Donovan Mitchell's numbers were .65. Okay? .65. The, it's just not his strength yet. And against a Thunder team that's blitzing him on every single one of these pick and rolls, bringing two guys to him, with Steven Adams, and you have to make a lot of reads, it's not his strength either. And he's being guarded by Jeremy Grant or Paul George. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous ask. So the offense just couldn't get going last night. And that is what cost the Jazz the game. Is the defense was great, but without a playmaker, I mean, they had a score. Donovan's an unbelievable score. But they truly didn't have a playmaker. And when that breaks down, this is not a team that has an athletic advantage at a lot of these positions. Excuse me. Um, better today than I was yesterday. Uh, so that jumps out. The other thing that is jumping out to me right now is this league is amazing in scouting. Absolutely amazing in their scouting. And I think we may have seen the initial closing off of the Joe Ingles, Derek Favors pick and roll. 
Over the last three games, it's .88 points per pick and roll. It's been brilliant. But it's noticeable that teams have changed the way they're covering it. Now, let's see. We're playing a group of lesser teams coming up here in in Phoenix, Minnesota, Brooklyn, Washington, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Phoenix, L.A., Washington, Charlotte, Phoenix, Sacramento. We may feel great about things here if this <clears throat> if we can get things going. But this league's unbelievable in scouting. You play New Orleans back-to-back games. New Orleans makes the adjustment. The next team sees it. They make the adjustment. Oklahoma City, that's just kind of how they play. What Oklahoma City does, they bring two to the ball every time you come off a pick. And then they bring the other guys onto the roll guy, forcing you to try to throw a pass over the double team as a skip all the way to the other side, figuring there's enough air under that ball and time travel because you're retreating back and you have Steven Adams all over you that they can get out to close to the shooters. It generally works. They're top five defensive team. The Jazz, over the last year, have actually been probably better than anyone at taking advantage of it and slowing it down. The Jazz have been able to get, you know, 18 corner three attempts in one of the matchups. And last night, frankly, part of the defensive problems is not just Donovan not being able to play the pick and roll great, is we just missed a ton of threes. And we did get caught to the outside. There is a discussion to be had. I do not know what to do with people who text me or IM me or direct message me or Twitter mention me saying, we're lazy and we're taking threes. Okay, well, actually, everybody in the league wants to deny the three, so you're actually not being lazy to get a three in this league. Defenses dictate rim shots. We took 31 shots at the rim last night. We hit only 16 of 31 shots at the rim. Like, we were 3 of 14 on non-restricted area twos last night. We were 1 of 10 the night before. What, what is the shot you would like us to take instead? You want us to just pull up into a mid-range two where we're 4 of our last... 25, because that seems like a good idea. You want to just force it to the rim. You actually can't just do that. If teams want to take away the rim, they can. Memphis did that. We took 24 shots to the rim. Defenses dictate the rim. The Jazz got 31 shots to the rim last night. They didn't make them. Truly, last night, Jay Crowder's going to the basket as a chance for a a layup that would have made it a four-point game, misses the wide-open layup. They go the other way, make the layup, eight-point game. That was it. Now, I don't know that you're coming back anyway. Thunder were 34-0 when they led by 10 going into the fourth quarter, but that was certainly a huge sequence. We'll break this one down a little bit more. There's a lot of different pieces to it uh, and to look at, and then we also have the playoff picture to look at. I also want to look at shot quality last night because I think that's – I actually feel like the Jazz shot quality last night should be fairly good and um, find that a bit interesting. The – Real estate world has been one way for a long time. And Homie has come to the real estate world and said, you know what? I don't think that's how it should work. I don't. I think this is a win for agents, but I don't think this is a win for customers. And so, therefore, Homie is revolutionizing the whole system. It's pretty interesting 
business model and what they're doing, and pretty impressive uh, to watch how it's working. And what the coolest thing about what Homie's doing is it's actually selling houses faster, uh, and it's selling houses at a better price. And they've now simplified their selling fees for you. So here's the way it works now. Very easy. $1,500 to list your house. That's it. $1,500 to lift your house, list your house. Sell a $300,000, $600,000, $1.2 million, $1.8 million, $1,500. It's that simple. That's how Homey works. And they're selling faster than the market. They're selling at a higher price than the market. And you're saving huge amounts of equity. Find out more about my friends at Homey by texting LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. That's L-O-C-K-E to 88588. Homie, changing the real estate market. 88588. Text locked 88588. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and Linden. Blake's spending most of his time in Linden, so you can go say hi to him in his back office. Pull him out. Like, go to the Linden office. Walk in, go, I need to see Blake Murdoch. Act really important. When he comes out, say, yeah, can I help you? Locke sent me. Told me to bother you. Yeah, it'll probably go over really well. Probably not. But it'd be funny. Uh, you can say hi to our good friend Jason who sold us our Santa Fe at the 4646 South State Street. Uh, we bought the Santa Fe because we were looking for a car for our son. After knowing for years that our 16-year-old son would get a beater and never get a new car, and we certainly would never spoil our child to get him a new car, we watched a 16-year-old drive and quickly decided that we needed to have a car that had every safety feature imaginable, had the most safe, best safety ratings, and was reasonably priced. My wife also wanted a third row of seats, so we ended up with the Santa Fe by Hyundai after doing a market shop. That was the best price, the most features, the best safety features, the best safety grades. They also have the Tucson for you, which is a little smaller, and then the Kona is the zippy little SUV for you, plus the whole rest of the line. Check it out. You also get the 90-plus years of Murdoch relationships in Utah and the Murdoch No Regrets policy from Murdoch Hyundai. 4646 South State Street in Murray. All right, let's look at shot quality last night. Um, the defense was great. There's, there's really, there's really nothing to look at last night defensively. The Jazz had a great game plan. They got the ball out of Paul George's hands. The other guys made some plays, but not enough. Dennis Schroeder made more than he's made in a long time, which is ridiculous. The Jazz offense, there's a stat called quantified shot quality. It measures the likelihood of any shot going in if the average player takes that shot. And the Jazz shot quality is 54.3, number one in the league. Atlanta's two, Milwaukee is three. Interesting, all three of those coaches from the same. Houston, interestingly, is four for all the people that want to complain about their isolation. Style and the way they play. So let's look at last night. Oklahoma City, Utah Jazz. Last night, the Jazz shot quality was a 55.5. And they shot 43.8. There cannot be a lot of games this year where teams have shot 12 percentage points below their expected shot quality. Now why? Is that because the passes were coming off beat? Is that because... I mean, that's that's just, that's not even just... 
Like, you can't even say that that one is, well, we have bad shooters. I mean, that is an absurd number right there. Um, the, uh, I'm trying to find a, there's another little stat here you can find where I think it tells you based on players' quality of shot. Um, so QS, we, we always talk about uh, QSQ, which is measures the likelihood of a shot going in if the average player takes the shot. They also have taking into account the shot quality as well as who is shooting. Even under that, you can you can say, well, our shooters aren't good. We should have shot 54.4 last night, and our effective field goal percentage was 43.8. We had a brutal shooting night last night, and it cost us the game because the defense was great. Now, why did we have a brutal shooting game? Was it because there was no Rubio, and so therefore the shots didn't go in, and they were off rhythm? Was it because we just had a brutal shooting night? Was it because the Thunder is so long and athletic that they caused us into rushing shots that look more open than they, on a computer screen that doesn't understand real life more than maybe? But in the second quarter, we took 11 straight threes, which feels like you did something really awful. If you go back and watch those 11 straight threes, which I've done, I think I would take all 11. I mean, they are wide beeping open last night. Wide open. And they just didn't knock them down. I don't know from a coaching standpoint and a team standpoint. I mean, we do not have a great shooting team, right? We are a defensive built team. That's that's where we were built. And we were great defensively last night. And so you would hope that Joe Ingles last night, who's a pretty darn good shooter, goes one of seven on uncontested shots. Donovan goes three of ten. Jay Crowder goes four of twelve. Kyle Corver, 0 of three. Dante was like a, a frenetic mess last night. Understandably, right? He's like playing his first game in a long time. He was just... All over the place. Got it going a little bit. You could see him kind of feel better later. We were 17 of 51 on uncontested looks last night. That's 33%. So, since they've beat us three times in a row, now four, and 14 of 16 in the regular season, I find it hard to just say, well, we had a bad shooting night, and that cost us the game. You know, you got. I feel like you got to give them, but we had a bad shooting night, and it cost us the game. And if we walk back to the game we played them on, I think it was, what, the 22nd on our first game back, what's you, you j- jump out and see here is that the Jazz – had a good shot quality night that night as well. Our shot quality was 54.6. In that night, we actually shot 58.1. So in the double overtime loss, we actually shot three and a half percentage points above what we were supposed to. But the, the theme here is that the offense is getting the looks against the Thunder. 
Here's what's really interesting to me about this. We turned the ball over a bunch against Oklahoma City last time and all freaked out about it, right? Like everybody had a conniption fit about the turnovers on talk radio and everywhere else. You know, maybe rightfully so. Like against the Thunder on the 22nd of February, we turned it over 19.4% of the time. Last night, we turned it over 14% of the time. Our offensive rating last night was a 90. Our offensive rating the last time was a 114. Passing creates looks. It leads to turnovers. It's okay. If you have the number one shot quality in the league and you're high in turnovers, so be it. Because what we saw last night was low turnovers, less offensive efficiency. Now, our shot quality was very good. We, we proved last night we can get good shot quality without the turnovers, which is nice. But the fact is that, and maybe it just comes back to shot making. You know, we made shots, and so it covered up the 19%. We missed shots, so the 14%'s not as good. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But it seems to me that there's actually almost a reverse correlation between us sometimes, depending on the opponent and how we turn it over. We had a bad turnover game against two bad turnover games against Indiana. Houston's the one where turnovers are a problem. We A, can't score against Houston, and B, turn it over a lot. Against Oklahoma City, when we turn it over a lot, we score better which is just kind of wacky, but it makes a little sense when we talk about the way they play. So, we'll take a look at that. And chew on it. I don't entirely know what it all means. Today's show is brought to you in part by Slow the Flow. The, uh, oh, phew, sorry. Just got a text from my son who's racing today at Alpine Meadows in the Squaw. And I thought it was a little weird to get a text from him this morning. I thought something had gone wrong. So that was that pause there. Yes, I was distracted. I'm often distracted. I have a really good friend whose name is Charlie Graves. He's a former Olympic athlete who uh, owns a gym called Athletic Republic in town. He is just a, I mean, he is just a, I love him. He's like seriously one of my best friends. I don't see him a lot, but he's one of my really good friends. He is a hard ass. Like, he and I played golf tournament together. And I sucked. And he's like, that's enough sucking from you. I mean, like, he's in your face. He's awesome. Kind of love him. Um, and so he's in my face. And so whenever I see him, could you please stop getting distracted on your podcast? Sure, Charlie. That is a fair request. It is not how my brain works. And it seems unlikely to happen. Um, but um, it's a fair request. Yeah. All right. Slow the flow. Save H2O. Um, the water situation in Utah seems funky, right? Because we have so much snow, it feels like there's no way uh, that we could be you know, needing to save water. But that's not true. And we can do it in really fun ways. So the way I have done it is every time I jump in the shower now, I tell my Google Home to set a timer for four minutes because I used to be at five. Now I'm trying to get it down to three 
Because every time I save a minute for my shower, I save like 1,500 gallons of water. It's incredible. So do those kind of things. Jordan emailed me and said, I have been a long shower, like 20 or 30 minutes. I've heard your ad like 50 billion times. The timer didn't work for me. It just made me mad. So I made a game out of it. I pick one song on my Spotify playlist. I need to be done showering by the time the song is over. So now I shower in like two to five minutes. Still long, probably, compared to what it should be, but it's a big change. And the song gets me awake and doing my shower tasks. And might be a bit corny, but it's worked for me. And then I get to class on time. That's from Jordan. Send me your slow the flow and how you're saving H2O. Slowtheflow.org. Save H2O. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right. Let's look at that playoff picture. My my guts, my my feeling, without looking at all of this and looking at 538, is after last night, six is our ceiling. It just feels that way to me. I don't know if that's just emotionally having lost three out of four, but we're in eighth now, which is... So Sacramento's, like, we got to change our thought process. Sacramento's four games ahead of us, behind us. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are three games ahead of us in the loss column, three games overall. I just think that seems like a lot. And the Thunder are three games in the loss column and with the tiebreaker. Seems like a lot. Um, I'm not, you know, the interesting thought I have is, like, do you start to stop playing Kyle Korver 30 minutes because you want to just have him ready, but we still got to make the playoffs. So here's what last night is. Huge win for the Thunder. It was a 20-40 to 40 game for them. They go to 1-1 one one in 20-40 to 40 games. Uh, it was a 39%. The Rockets just are great right now. They won, They had an 81% win probability last night. They did exactly what they were supposed to. They are 3-0 and in those games. They are 3-1 and in their should wins. They are 6-1 and overall in those. The Jazz drop a 60-percenter. 61%. Seems crazy. We were favored last night. I would have never taken that. But we are now 1-2 in games that we had a 60-80% to 80% win probability. When we projected out how the Jazz were going to get to 50 wins, I think we had us at 16 of those 19. We've got no wiggle room. Two of the pickums. we got to win one more. That gets us to 18. And that probably is is what we had 
there. Still could probably get to 50, but it's gonna it would take 52, 53 to get to uh, anymore. Remember when we did this projection system, we had the Jazz coming in fifth, uh, port, tied with Portland, or sixth, tied with Portland for 50. May turn out to be a little different. Clippers last night, 35% win probability, and they got the win. Clippers are 3-0 and in games where they had a 20-40 to win probability. And then Sacramento last night had a 33-win probability against Washington on the road and dropped it. Sacramento is going to have to do something remarkable. They're now 0-4 in those. They still have five games left with a 20-40 to win probability and six games left with a 0-20, including their next two Celtics and 76ers on the road, back-to-back. They get two days off and then that. I, I, I'm I not worried about making the playoffs. Uh, I am a little worried about what our seeding's going to be. Um, tough games left, and we have to just win games. Tough games left. The Jazz have two games left below 40% win probability. San Antonio, I believe, has five. Clippers have three. Might be hard to, might be hard to, not fall behind the Clippers. And then you're at seven, which I, it's interesting. Could be Houston, which we don't want. Five thirty-eight. Warriors at fifty-eight. Rockets and Nuggets tied at fifty-three now. Thunder at fifty-one. Blazers at fifty. Jazz dropped to forty-nine and six. Clippers at 46, Spurs at 46. They still have us with a three-game window over those teams. ESPN's BPI, similar system, is screwed up today and has the East and the West. Their projection, their page is screwed up. They have actually, they have both things with Eastern Conference. So we cannot look at it today. Basketball reference, playoff probability report, Golden State 1, Denver still 2, Houston 3, Oklahoma City 4, Portland 5, Utah at 48-6, Clippers at 47, San Antonio at 47, Sacramento at 40. So I just don't think not making the playoffs is a possibility, but home court I think is out the window. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks to Slow the Flow, Murdoch Hyundai, and Homie. For sponsoring today's show, we really appreciate our sponsors. It allows us to put this show out. Locked on NBA today should be a good one. Sam Amick was with Wes Goldberg on Locked on NBA, the athletics lead NBA writer. So go right now, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NBA. See ya. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.